Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. It's another beautiful Sunday here on Sermons in the Park, and yes, as you can see, uh, my job has me off this weekend, so I was able to do a video for you. Um, and I'm actually recording this on the old schedule, so this is actually recorded Sunday night for Sunday morning instead of fr Thursday or Friday like I've been doing. So, just want to say welcome back and thank you for joining me here. Uh, for all you new people, um, welcome to the family. For all you old people who've been watching for a while, again... Welcome back. Um, before we get started, I want to mention if you guys keep keep uh, Larry Lundy in your prayers. Larry's the guy I had the meal with, uh, the breakfast. He wanted to talk with me and have fellowship, and we were able to do that. Um, he was in a motorcycle accident. He's going to have to have his knee replaced. Uh, he broke like uh, his leg was shattered below the knee, and he broke some ribs. Um, he messaged me today. He's still in Blanchard Valley Hospital. He's going to get transferred into a nursing home for two weeks until they can do the surgery on his knee. So keep him in your thoughts and prayers, guys. And um, So before we get started, let's bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all that he's given us, all the great gifts, the gifts of life, the gift of, of breath, the gift of being able to actually go to him in prayer, the gift of just everything, food, water, all those things. Heavenly Father, we come to you again with a thankful heart. Thank you for all these brothers and sisters that we meet on a daily basis. These children of your, these children of yours, who who we get to spend time with and, and fellowship with and talk to, talk about you. Father, I pray those who listen um, gain wisdom through through my words here, through well your words coming out of my mouth. We I pray, Lord, they learn about you know learn something from the bible that they might not have realized before i pray lord that uh you guide my words you guide my thoughts as as i deliver your message and father i pray i pray for brother larry in the hospital that he he has a speedy recovery i pray for all those who who listen if, they, if they're sick or, or if they have family members sick father i pray that we lift them up in your name that they are healed in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you again. Like I thank you for the food, the water, the I thank you for your help today after I power washed my house. You know, it was wonderful, Lord, that you and you waited till just as I was done. And it just you know, that's one of the things, Lord, that shows me you are you are here to help us. You are as your word says, you are you are with us. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of your son Jesus Christ for everything that you do. We thank you for, for waking us up in the morning and, and helping us lie down safely at night. We thank you for energy to get out of bed, the energy to do things in our in our daily lives. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, if you're new, pardon me, I'm sweating a little bit, but if you're new, I want to let you know that um, what we do here, we, we, take a, we take a book of the Bible on Sundays is what we do. We take a book of the Bible and we break it down chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And currently we're doing... Um, Genesis right and so I'm inviting you now to pause the video or whatever 
or, or the audio if you're over on the podcast, go back to the first one that's available there and kind of work your way forward. If you want to start from the start, you can go to YouTube because on YouTube uh, I started with an actual introduction for Genesis and uh, I didn't start the podcast until after a little while, so you're only going to get so far. Uh, you're only going to be able to go back so far. So YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, those places, you can go back and, and start with the, the introduction to Genesis and work your way forward. Um, and if you, if you watch over on the videos, you probably will notice you'll get to see a change in the, uh, uh, in the, in the video quality. Um, so last week, um, we were reading about Joseph, right? And we, were, we saw Joseph, you know, uh, Potiphar's wife lies on him. She, she, blame, she blames him for things that he didn't do. She says that he, he tried to rape her. And Joseph is thrown into jail. And, and we see Joseph, you know, while he's in jail, he, he proves himself trustworthy to the jailer, right? And he's so trustworthy that the jailer literally puts him in charge of that jail. So we're just going to dive right on in, right where we stopped last week. And we're going to read the next chapter. Sorry, my notes are slow today. <laughs> Genesis chapter 40, and we're going to read the entire chapter. Genesis chapter 40, verse 1, all the way to verse 23. This is a shorter chapter than we've, we've been doing here lately, right? And it came to pass... After these things, that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was, was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which was bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers, that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said unto him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and the vine were three branches, and it was as though they, it, it was it, sorry, it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe, fruit, ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head, and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner, when thou wast his butler. But think on me, when, it's, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, 
I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was of all manners of bakements for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. So what do we do? We always go back, don't we? And we reread that first verse that we read, and then we work our way forward, right? So verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Now right here at the very start of this, I have one word that I, I really need to have you look at. And that's this word that in the Bible is used, butler, right? And that word uh, was translated, it, it, it's not actually butler, it's literally cupbearer the cupbearer of the king. When we look at all the Egyptian inscriptions, we see several different titles that are given to people that would serve um, wine or, or, or beer, if you prefer, to the pharaoh. Or as we see him called here, the, the pharaoh is called the king of Egypt, right? Now, I read where um, most people say that this was Sennacherib the second and if that's true he reigned um, between 1894 and 1878 BC so let's look at verse 2 now and Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the baker right anyway we read the chief of the butlers here, right? Uh, the chief of the bakers. Believe it or not, both of these occupations and ranks um, in the court of Pharaoh, they um, they exist. They actually exist uh, in Egyptian documents. Like like I said, the cupbearer he would of course uh, give Pharaoh drink, and the baker would well, what would he do? <laughs> He's the baker. He gives him his bread. Now, both of these men, they they had to be very, very trustworthy. They had to be far beyond being able to be influenced by the enemies. Because think about it. They have to give him his drink and his food. These have to be somebody that Pharaoh, like, trusted like, the utmost, right? 
Now, in the next couple of verses, we're going to see a mention of the captain of the guard. That's the same title, if you remember, that we saw given to, to Potiphar. And if it was, then he's the one that asks him to take care of these servants. You know, putting them in, into Joseph's care until their sentence was over. We also see that the prison is called what? The house of the guard. Then, then, in verse 7, we see it called his Lord's house. And finally, when you get to verse 15, as well as in the next chapter, it's called a dungeon. Now, unless for some reason that we're never told about, Joseph was moved, right? So, let's go to verse 3. And he put them in the ward of the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. It starts off right there. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard. Like I just said, this is generally accepted to be Potiphar because this was the office that, like I said, we saw him have earlier. And the verse says this, into the prison, the place where Joseph was was bound, meaning this is where he was still being kept prisoner. He was still there. You know, even though he wasn't shackled, he was allowed to wander around, kind of like uh, when I worked in the prison system, that was what the trustees did. The trustees were allowed to wander around. Of course, like at, at the end of the day, they had to go back to where they were kept, but they were allowed to wander the halls, and, and um, you know, they had jobs and stuff like that. Um, and then we see the captain... We see that he, what? He charged Joseph with them. So he told Joseph, hey, take care of these people. Because like I said earlier, Joseph was over all of the administrative roles of the prison. Not just some kind of high-ranking prisoner, though. He wasn't a trustee. He was literally over the prison. And then verse 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. It says, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. Meaning, he gave them over to Joseph for Joseph to take care of them. Now, I imagine, like when I look at this, that the jailer kind of recommended him, right? He kind of told, he, he kind of said, hey man, look, I think, I think Joseph should take care of them. And like I said, if it is Potiphar, Potiphar already knew. Right? He knew that Joseph was trustworthy. Is it possible that they reconciled? You know, I asked that last week. Um, and maybe he maybe maybe by this point Pharaoh, you know, or Potiphar knew the truth about what really did happen. You know, he heard the truth, maybe maybe Joseph told the jailer and the jailer went and told Potiphar. I don't know. And and and, and when you think about it, this if say Potiphar figured it all out. He would have been terrified, wouldn't he, to let Joseph go because that would hurt his wife's reputation. Maybe she was known as a you know, nice woman or something. I don't know. But just think of the honor of being, you know, the one that takes care of two of the state's highest prisoners. Anyway, I think I should tell you that some people actually render it this way. They render it as he committed Joseph with them. In fact, Jarky did this. 
I think that the two men, they were put together, you know, not because they could keep each other company, but it, that way Joseph could take better care of them, right? And I think it's beneficial to remember this because, because of what we see next. We see, and he served them. You know, Joseph, he would have ministered to them. He would have brought them, like, everything they could need, right? The, the verse then says this. It says, and they continued a season in ward. You could change season to days. So, how many days? I don't know. I don't. It doesn't say here. Uh, it could have been a few days. It could have been many days. It could have been a year, two years. We don't know that. And that's how Jarky and Ben, ben Gersom interpreted and as we know, it, it is how the word is used sometimes. And now the story of the butler and the baker, it's one of the better known ones. And you've heard many people break it down. And it's told here. So, well, it's, it's told here really to partially show us that Joseph possesses the gift of interpretation. And also partly so, so that we can see the steps and providence you know even secretly towards joseph advancing into pharaoh's court you see here in this area especially at this time the pharaoh was he was absolute ruler okay if you made the mistake of you know by any reason uh making pharaoh upset he could just throw you in prison and in fact, Pharaoh could do it simply because, hey, he wanted to. He's Pharaoh. Who's going to stop him? Now, I, I know many of you want to know, you know, just like I did. And I hope that while I was doing some research, I could find an answer to it. And that is, what crime did they commit? Well, I found nothing. But we can assume that it had something to do with food. Because like I said a little while ago. The butler and, and, and the other baker, right? What we see is that, that, that God put them into Joseph's care. And there had to be some reason for that. There had to be some reason that these men were thrown in there and Joseph was put in control of them. So let's continue on. Let's go to verse 5 this time. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night. Each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. So both of them seemed to have a dream, and they were both confused by it, right? Now believe it or not, the science or practice, if you will, of interpreting dreams actually has a name. I'm going to butcher it. But I'm going to try to say it. Oneromancy? Or something like that? <laughs> anyway, in ancient Egypt, whether it, whether it flourished or not, it was believed to be caused by a dream. And Egypt had, you know, Egypt and Babylon both, they, they created a class of people whose job it was to interpret dreams. And we can see in the Bible that dream interpretation 
was a big art of these false religions, and it's supposed to be avoided by the people of God, actually. So let's take a look real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 1 to 5. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spoke unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him, and cleave unto him. And that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, shall be put to death, because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought ye out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed ye out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. Now, 500 years later, there was a, a, a detailed manual for people who, who wished to interpret a dream. Now, unlike Joseph, you know, this, this, this cupbearer or, or baker, neither of them understood the significance of, uh, of, of their dream. So we're going to go look at verse 6 now. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning. Now, do not get confused here. Those two and Joseph, yes, they're in the same jail, but they're not in the same ward, are they? Aben Ezra, he thinks that Joseph slept in the dungeon at night because of, you know, what we see in verse 15. That he was let out in the morning to go and serve the prisoners. But you see, I think, I think he was kept in a better place, right? Because the keeper of the prison trusted him. And he had interest in Joseph. And, and the captain of the guard, he also shows favor on Joseph because he put these men into Joseph's care. So, as soon as he got up in the morning, like a good servant would, okay, he, he went down to the prison to take care of these of his prisoners. Make, he made sure that they were safe. And I want to point this out. I didn't put this in my notes here. Think of how good it must have been in that prison. For Joseph, because they, they, keep in mind, they're in prison. And Joseph is asking, why are you sad? It must have been like good there. He must have done like kept it, kept them happy or something, uh, because they, he's he's actually asking them. Uh, who, he's actually asking people who are in prison, "Why are you sad?" So that just shows you how good of a person Joseph was, and how 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 good he kept that that prison. These people are 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 are. He's surprised they're sad. The verse then says this. It says. 
and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. You see? He saw that they were sorrowful. He saw they were uneasy. He saw they were dejected. And he's asking them, why are you sad? Alright, verse 7. I just want to point that out because it's something I always found amazing to me. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? The verse starts off with, and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him. Right? The officers would, of course, be this butler and this baker. And the verse then says this. It says that they were with him. It says, in the ward of the Lord's house. That right there seems to confirm that, you know, the captain of the guard, that Joseph, you know, that has Joseph watching over these men, was indeed Potiphar, the, the captain of the guard. And, and yes, the jailer, he, he might be called the Lord, of, the Lord or the master of Joseph, but the house itself, that's not the jailer's property. The verse then says this, it says, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Yes, they were in jail. Like I said, but they seemed to live a lavish lifestyle outside of the jail, and they were expecting to be released soon. So you got to think on that too. Not only did Joseph keep them so happy, but they were also they were going to be getting out soon. So why are they sad? Now the way that Joseph asks this, you can tell that, like I said, it's unusual. They should be happy. And, it's, and it, it has to be very obvious for Joseph to be able to see it. So we see him do what? He expresses concern. He, he, Joseph was a kind person, a tender person, and he, he was in a benevolent disposition as well. So let's go to verse 8 now. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Do you notice his response? What does he tell them? Do not interpretations belong to God? This response, if you notice, it's immediate. So let's look at uh, chapter 39, verse 9. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Chapter 41, verse 16 says, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And then, uh, also in chapter 41, Look at verses 51 and 52. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Now go to chapter 45, and we're going to look at verse 8. So now it was not, I'm sorry, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler there 
a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. We see that Joseph is careful. He makes sure, this is constantly, as you saw, he always makes sure to give credit to God. Look at verse six, chapter one, or chapter forty-one, verse sixteen again. We only see one other Hebrew that God allows to accurately interpret dreams, and that's of course Daniel, right? And he was also very careful to do what? Give credit to God. Look at Daniel chapter two, verse twenty-eight. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of, of thy head upon thy bed are these. Notice he gave credit to God. God chose both of these men to, to play an important role. You see, they both served these pagan monarchs. Remember, these are pagans. And they also both, and you know, Daniel and, and Joseph, they both stepped forward in a very important moment to interpret the dreams of these monarchs, to uh, reveal the future. This situation here is not usual, or I should say it's not unusual, okay? They had done something to displease the Pharaoh. They were anxiously awaiting for Pharaoh to change his heart to come and release them. God often uses unbelievers to accomplish his goals. There are times where you might hear a, a word from God through the mouth of, a, of an atheist. Do not be surprised when that happens because God does that. Right? There are times where you might be in a bad situation and the only person God can get to come help you to talk to you is an atheist. Whether they believe in God or not, God will use them. And these two men right here, they're Egyptians. And something else we know is that, that God does speak to us in our dreams, right? Anyway, let's get back to these two men. They were troubled because of these dreams that they had, because they didn't understand what they meant. And interpretation of dreams, as Joseph says, is of God. God Joseph, you know, he is a man of God. And he has that gift. Now, do you ever see him brag about that gift? No. We see him give credit to God. And he asks them, you know, and asks them to, to tell their dream to him. Pay attention as we move on. Because you're going to notice that the butler, meaning the cupbearer, right, calls the chief, he's called the chief cupbearer, called butler, uh, we see him say that his dream was that there was uh, that he was making a drink for Pharaoh. This was, of course, a sign that he would be returned to his former position. Um, verse nine. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, "In my dream, behold, a vine was before me." Right there at the beginning. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph. So he sat there, you know, Joseph said what he said. And 
he thinks about it maybe. He, he, he thinks that, you know, maybe, maybe Joseph will be able to interpret the dream. So he comes forward and he tells Joseph his dream. I think the baker, I think that, you know, he heard it as well, but he was nervous. That's why he didn't speak up first. You know, notice though, he waits until the, the cupbearer is done and he, he hears that this good interpretation given to the butler. The verse says this, it says, And said unto him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. So, in his dream, he, he sees it. Like, like suddenly, boom, there's this vine in front of him. Uh, very suitable, right, for what his job was. Wine is the fruit of the vine. <laughs> Which, you know, he, he then gave it to his master at the table. Verse 10. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And in the vine there were three branches, meaning these branches, they came out of the vine. You know, either from the root of the vine, or, or maybe the body of it, we don't know, it's not said. And it was as though it budded. So these branches, they, they, they sprouted out, and her blossoms shot forth. So it twisted, right? The flowers, they, they appeared, which then, you know, blew off. And right there before him were some grapes, tender grapes, too. The verse actually says that, And clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes, meaning that they were, they were tender. All of this was agreeable with the order of nature. From the birth of the vine to it producing fruit. They all followed one another, just like it should in, in his mind. Notice, he remembers it perfectly. And it all made uh, a strong, because it all made, it makes a very strong impression on him. Verse 11 says, And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. So, it says, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. So he saw the cup was back in his hand again, like it was when he was doing his normal job. And the verse says this, it says, and I took the grapes. So he took the grapes from the vine, and the verse says, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. I saw where something, this was some kind of a custom at the time, that they would take a bunch of grapes and squeeze them into a cup. That way they they knew what kind of wine it was. But come on. <laughs> I doubt that they would have drank new wine like that. Right? I think that most likely the grapes were squeezed into some other vessel and then made into wine. Like we still do today. And then of course it would have been you know poured into the Pharaoh's cup out of that the container. Or maybe it mixed in. I don't know. Now, I did see where some say that when it was an Egyptian priest, that wine was pressed out of the vine and then it was given to them. The verse then says this, And I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. So he was doing his old job, right? Verse 12. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three Dave, so, so Joseph, he starts to give him the interpretation because it says, and Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it, right? 
meaning his interpretation of the dream. The verse says, the three branches are three days. He says that the three branches are symbolic of three days. Or, as Jarkey says it, a sign of three days. Now, the only way that Joseph knew about this was through divine revelation. Think about it. How are... <laughs> How, are, how is a branch like a day? I mean, why not a month? Why not a year? If the interpretation depends on similarity, why not one of those, right? So it had to be through in divine revelation. Verse 13. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee into the pl thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner, when thou wast his butler. He says, Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head. Now, if you were to look at the Targum of Jonathan, you'll see that it adds something. It adds, with glory. Meaning that either Pharaoh would raise him up from where he was to where he had been, or that he would count him as one of his servants when he was making a list of them. You know, that's what Jarki and Aben Ezra said. And, and, and this phrase is used when taking count of people uh, or numbering them. Just take a look at Exodus chapter 30, verse 12. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. Now, what it's alluding to here is, is a custom that these great people, right, where they'll have a list of their servants, and they'll on a, it's confusing to me, but I did read about it that there was a certain day of the year where they would take the list and they would call out all the names of their servants. And it seems that the Pharaoh did this on his birthday. They would pull out the list, right, and they would put their name on it, or 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 maybe they would pardon them or punish them, you know, the ones that offended them. Uh, I I can kind of lean. That you know, I can kind of lean that way because we do see it say that Pharaoh lifted up their head. But you see, the phrase used by Joseph here. Anyway, the baker says, "Pharaoh shall lift up thy head from off thee." Right. Both heads are lifted up, but they're lifted up in a different way. The baker's he's killed. Um. He's sent to the gallows, and the the butler he's he's given back his dignity, as it says, and restore thee into thy place. Right, it's meaning he sent him back to the office as uh, as the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer. And then it says this: it says, "And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler." This was this was signified. By him squeezing the grapes into the cup, and it was in his hand. And, and then, of course, 
when he gives it to Pharaoh. Joseph, he, he, he seems to have enjoyed interpreting this dream because it was, a good, it was good news, okay? Whenever we see a plant budding and flowering in the Bible, it's always new life. And then when we see grapes and grape juice, you know, that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, he was schooled in these things. And uh, this gift, like, like I told you earlier, it comes from God and only from God. In the next couple of verses, we're going to see Joseph um, to show kindness. Right? This is a heartbreaking appeal to the cupbearer. He says, please show kindness to me. You know, remember, my, remember me when, when your future is secure. He could have easily spoken to the king whose ear he had to help Joseph. It would have been real easy, but we see that he forgot Joseph, didn't he? Well, for two years anyway, when suddenly his memory is just prompted at the right moment. Verse 14 says this. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. Do you see it right there? Show kindness. You also see that same word used by Abraham back in Genesis chapter 20, verse 13. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is thy kindness, which thou shalt show unto me at every place, whether while we shall come, say, say of me, he is my brother. I'm sure I do not have to say this, <laughs> but this, of course, demonstrates faithfulness. One that is based on a particular relationship. And in this case, Joseph, he had just interpreted a dream for this man. The same words were used of God's faithfulness towards Joseph in Genesis chapter 39 verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And, and that was when he was in prison right and God changed the heart of the jailer I also think we could look at Daniel again in Daniel chapter 1 verse 9 I should have kept my finger on it because I knew it was coming up. Daniel chapter 1 verse 9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the pr prince of the eunuchs. So let's look at v verse 15 now. 
For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. Notice he calls it the land of the Hebrews. That makes sure that he understands where the Hebrews were and had been for generations. The part where Abraham, Isaac, and his father Jacob lived, you know, over near Hebron. And it also shows us that Joseph understood the covenant of Abraham. Do you realize that? Anyway, with so many of his family members being so well known because of all their great deeds, they would have known where he's speaking of. And the verse says this, And here also have I done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. You see, for as long as Joseph had been in Egypt, he committed no crime. And yet, here he was in a dungeon, a dark and filthy place that's probably underground. Have you noticed we've never seen him mention what what happened there? Also, he not complained of the injustice that his master committed by putting him in prison. He only makes sure that he mentions he's innocent. He does it to, to recommend himself to the butler. He did not want him to think that he was some loose fellow, one that, you know, was in prison for some capital crime. Anyway, all he does is simply ask the butler, hey man, put in a good word with Pharaoh for me, right? He was the only one that would be able to go over the head of Potiphar, you know, and get Joseph released. He, he explains to him that he was being punished for, for something that he never did. Joseph, as I said before, he's a type of Jesus here. You know, Joseph, he had no sin. Jesus had no sin. Right? Jesus was betrayed by his brethren. Joseph was betrayed by his brethren. Do you see? Verse 16 now. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. This poor baker, man. We read, when the chief baker saw what the saw that the interpretation was good. He he could see that his his dream and and the wine the cupbearer's dream were similar, you know. So he thinks to himself, hey, maybe mine's good too. So he asked Joseph for an interpretation. And, and, when, and when we see good in this verse, that does not mean right or just, okay? Even though, yes, it was. But he saw that it was agreeable. It, it was pleasing, okay? Makes sense? So he hopes, like I said, that he would also get a, a similar interpretation. So he's encouraged, right? And he goes and he tells Joseph his dream. Or he would have never done it would he the, the verse says he said unto joseph i also was in a dream meaning he had a dream as well okay and he tells him what he saw it says and behold i had three white baskets on my head these baskets would of course have been made out of wicker 
right? Which is what they used back then. And they would have been made out of rods that, that had been, um, that had the bark peeled off. That's why they were white. And it had holes in them. Now, I saw where some think that this just means that they had bread in them. And that it doesn't mean that they were actually white. And that would mean that the verse should say baskets of white bread. That's what Sadia Gaon says. Now the Targum of Jonathan, it also goes that way, saying this, baskets of most pure bread, um, meaning hot bread. Again, this dream is agreeable with what his job was, because he was the baker, it's full of bread. Verse 17. And in the uppermost basket there was of all sorts of bakements for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the baskets upon my head. So it says, and in the up, uppermost basket there was all manners of bakement for Pharaoh, meaning all kinds of different baked goods, tarts, pies, all that stuff. When we look at Josephus, Josephus tells us that two of these baskets would have been full of bread, and the third one would have had all kinds of different various foods in it. That this was the way that they usually prepared things for the king. The verse goes on, And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. Remember, all three baskets were stacked up on his head. When I read this, I think it means the very top one. The one that the birds could get to easily, right? But if the baskets were full of holes, like I said then they would have easily been able to just peck through the holes, right? I, I don't think that the baker believed Joseph could interpret the dreams. He, he told him because of the good one that he just heard from the butler. Sometimes we all know that our dream, is, that there's something bad about it. But we still want someone to reassure us that it's not. Let's look at verse 18. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. There's no law there. The verse starts off with, And Joseph answered and said, meaning right away. He did not stop to think about it. He didn't meditate on it. Because God was instructing him divinely. This is the interpretation thereof, he says. Meaning, he was interpreting a dream he was just told. And then we see this. The three baskets are three days. Just like before, the baskets are representative of three days. Verse 19 says, Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. When we look at this verse, and we see that it says Pharaoh lifted up the head of the chef, chief butler and of the chief baker. Joseph uses an expression here that can be interpreted two different ways. To describe the cupbearer, he uses it as a way of restoring his honor, like we see in 2 Kings 25-27.
And it came to pass in the seven and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, up on the seven and twenty seven and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, out of prison. And then, here for the baker, we see him being beheaded. And, as you can easily guess, that's not what the baker wanted to hear. Do you know what this shows us? To me, what this shows me is we should always tell the truth. No matter if it's bad news or it's good news, we should always tell the truth. Yes, bad news, it doesn't feel good. But as a Christian, we must always tell the truth. Not my truth, not your truth, not his truth, not her truth, but the truth. Truth hurts sometimes. And we as a people, as a, as a, as, and I don't mean just as Christians, I mean the whole world. We need to learn that the truth is what everybody deserves. We, we, we hold back the truth sometimes because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We want to spare them that. We don't want to see the look in our child's face when we tell them something bad. But guess what? We need to tell the truth. We have to always tell the truth. Let's look at verse 20. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. So three days after he gave them their interpretation, it was Pharaoh's birthday. We read, that we read, it says, that he made a feast unto all his servants, the ministers of his state, his attendants, if you will, all the people in his palace. And then the verse says this, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of his chief baker among his servants. This means that he called out their names at this festival. He, he took special notice of these two individuals that were in jail, the ones that had been charged with some crime against him. You know, he would look over their case, meaning their heads were lifted up in, in a different way. They were, they were taken out of prison. One was taken back to his former job, you know, in the court of Pharaoh as his cupbearer. And the other was lifted up to the gallows or gibbet. So the lifting up could mean taken to trial right they they would have been set on high if you will as they were judged take a look at first kings 21 9 And she wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth on high among the people. Alright, verse 21 this time. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, 
and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. It says, and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again. Meaning, just like the dream showed, he was back in his office as the cupbearer. The verse says, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. You know, it means daily he ministered to Pharaoh. He did his job. Like I said, just as the dream interpreted. Now, the Targum of Jonathan, it adds a reason here. It says, because he found that he was not in that council, meaning he was not part of, the, of a plot, maybe, maybe a, pot, a plot to poison Pharaoh. I don't know. Verse 22. But he hanged a chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Here we see it. We see, but he hanged the chief baker. He ordered the baker to be hanged. And the Targum says that he had plotted to kill Pharaoh. And then we see, as Joseph had interpreted to them, both of the interpretations that Joseph gave were proven true, right? If you wanted to know if someone is a true prophet, that's how you test them. Did everything that they say in their prophecy come true? If not, you have to dismiss all their prophecies. That's what the Bible says. Now, here we are at the last verse for the day, the last verse of the chapter. It says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Pharaoh, or, sorry, remember Joseph, but forgot him. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph. He, he did not tell the Pharaoh what happened. He did not do, he didn't do it for a long time, at least two years. That's according to what we read in the next chapter. And then we see, but forgot him. He seems to have never even thought about Joseph. Or the favor that Joseph did for them when he interpreted that dream and set their mind at ease. The fact that he did not follow through on that request shows us that, you know, this right here shows a great ingratitude. It's something we see with many courtiers who who had been moved to a high place. They neglect those that are beneath them. That their petitions to them and, and even the promises that they made to do whatever it is they promised to do, they'll tend to forget. When we find ourselves in, in some trouble, we'll, we make promises. We'll promise anything to get us out of that problem. But once we're out, it's very easy for us to forget it, isn't it? And that's what the butler did here. He saw his problem was over, and, and he, he forgot about Joseph. And that's just very, very sad to me. Um, so, a little bit shorter than what we've been doing lately, right? Uh, it's under an hour. But um, I, wanna, I just want to say thank you guys for joining me here. It's, uh, it's, so, it's so good that I was actually able to be on camera again today. I was really worried that I wouldn't be able to. Um, so I, I want to say thank you for joining me. If you're new, guys, please like um, subscribe to the channel, click like, leave a comment. You guys may not realize it, but when you're on YouTube, I've, I've did some studies on this, commenting, subscribing, liking, all that stuff, it pushes the videos into what they call an algorithm, and more people will see it. So, you know, like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. 
even if it's just an amen or that's right, that's right, whatever it is. Um, that way people, people will see it. And if you share the video, more people on your timeline will see it. There are people out here who go, I'd love to be able to tell my family and friends about um, some of the stuff we t that you talk about. If you share the video, you don't have to say it, right? You can share and go, hey, check this out. Send it to them in messages, whatever. It gets more eyes on the video, and you, it, you might have a family member that you, you want to bring to Christ who otherwise doesn't get to see or hear things like this, right? So I want to thank you all for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you, and I'll see you all soon. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you all next week or in the next video or podcast, whichever. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.